Disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist, counselor, or professional broadcaster. The following are stories from my life and personal experiences and are the property of me. There will be profanity, quite a fucking bit of it, so please keep that in mind along with adult topics and themes. Listener discretion is advised. I've always wanted to say that. Hi and welcome to episode 9 of Here She Comes, Confessions of a Retired Vibrator Seller. I'm Jasmine Aziz. I'm overwhelmed by the feedback I've received with regard to our last episode, part 1, of my interview with my niece in which she details her struggles with anorexia. Thank you to everyone who has reached out and shared their stories. I'm so proud to be a part of the conversation that opens the doors for discussion of matters that impact so many of us. Please join me as we continue the conversation now with my niece, Zara Stationwala, as she details the impact of her disorder on her personal relationships and how she is succeeding in her fight against the disorder. So you're, you've got all, you're at the age where your hormones are pretty much raging all the time. You're in probably the first long-term relationship of your life, correct? Yep. Right. And so you're, a lot of your personal body image issues would be validated or devalued by the person that you're dating. That's often what happens to a lot of people. And it's certainly what happened to me in the case with Lammy. I had no uh, self-esteem issues and no body image issues whatsoever until I started dating somebody who was heavy into weightlifting and extremely vain and narcissistic. And it bled into Mm -hmm. my personal perceptions. So I got to a point where I was at the gym six days a week, um, working out constantly and obviously watching what I ate because we would eat together and he would watch Mm -hmm. what I eat. So it it re, it becomes a slippery slope in a very cyclical reinforcing way of making sure that you you don't feel good but you you look better to the outside world but your mind spirals into all kinds of different horrible directions and a lot of defeatist attitudes which is why I think a lot of people can't understand why it is that you can't just eat. Yeah, like like I said a bit before, you know, the presentation of eating disorders is very much physical. You can't see what's going on in someone's head. So it's very hard for someone to understand, you know, in your head, this person has extreme fear of food. This person would rather do anything but eat. But for people who can eat and have no problem eating, they're just like, well, just eat. Um, So I think the fact that you know, eating disorders are characterized by, you know, weight loss or weight gain. And that weight part of it is supposed to be noticeable. I feel like people kind of try to see it more than realize that it is a mental disorder more than it is a physical disorder. Um, So it's very hard for people to understand that it's anxiety and it's phobia of food. Right. And and I think that's an, that's a really great, important um, comment to make because eating disorders do affect people of all genres, all ethnicities, every sexual orientation, socioeconomic, it it goes across the board. And like you said, it isn't something that's very visible. So it isn't, I could maybe be looking at somebody who's of average weight, who genuinely has some mental health issues tied around Mm -hmm. eating, correct? Yeah, definitely. Eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes, you know, someone 
of normal weight can have it, someone who's overweight can have an eating disorder, someone who's underweight, but also someone who's overweight, someone who's normal weight, someone who is underweight. Those might be their natural weights too. So it's very hard to make that judgment because so many people vary in their normal weight and so many people vary in the symptoms they have with the eating disorder. Right. And in our culture, it's not an easy thing to go into someone's house. Like if, if anyone hasn't been to a South Asian home, they pretty much force feed you the second you walk in the door. You may have just finished a huge meal, but they take it as a personal insult. If you walk into their home and you don't eat something, it's bad luck, it's a superstition, whatever it is. I have been force fed many, many things in people's houses back in the day when I was husband's uh, searching and they'd go to somebody's house. I had to serve tea, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd have to eat. It was absolutely frowned upon that I didn't. And I couldn't wrap my mind around the idea of these people saying, you know, it's just eat in moderation. That's fine. But you can't gain too much weight because then no one will want to marry you. And yet you're looking at possibly 20 or 30 of these different type of dating scenarios where you're constantly munching on something or entertaining yeah. with food. It's very difficult. It's a, yeah. it's a horrible cycle. And the mental health issues are something across the board, every culture, and I find particularly in the South Asian culture, are not well understood right now. So it's not something that you can say, well, it, it looks to me like it's as simple as you should, well, just eat. Like it doesn't make any difference. Yes, yeah, so I completely agree. Like, we can't go anywhere without eating. It's part of everything we do. And so I feel like that definitely adds to the amount of isolation people feel the need to have just because, you know, they're scared of going anywhere because food will always be involved. And I think it's also hard for people from our culture to understand, you know, I don't want to that someone doesn't want to eat the food because they don't want to gain the weight that you guys will criticize them of gaining. Right. Right. And, and this is something, of course, that's pervasive in all cultures. And when you go to a restaurant now, you see calorie counts on menus. You see social media where, you know, the higher Instagram followers ha are usually the ones that are, uh, you know, scantily clad, taking pictures, yeah. whatever it is. How much of a role do you think that social media is actually playing in perpetuating a lot of the eating disorders that are happening now? Yeah, I think social media just has, like, a huge role to play in this. You know, there are so many countries now where body image and eating disorders are becoming more and more prevalent because of social media, because we have the ability to see things from all around the world and Western culture has such a huge impact in the whole world in terms of social media. So, so many countries that didn't have high rates of eating disorders are seeing their rates go higher and higher now that they have access to Western social media. And it just goes to show you the huge role it plays. You know, there are so many people that people follow you know, who are promoting all these, you know, detox teas and diet culture and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but kind of hide it with the term of fitness and fitspo. And so I think, especially in our Western culture, there's a big, there's a very blurry line between what is fit and healthy and what is unhealthy because people are taking fitness to such an extreme that they're now becoming unhealthy rather than becoming healthier. Right. And so speaking of healthy and then moving on and moving forward, you are in another relationship now, correct? 
Yes, I am. And I'm in a very happy relationship. I can see. I can hear you smiling. That's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> but now you have you. So the in your new relationship, you've obviously had this open discussion about the eating disorder. Is is in your opinion an eating disorder something that never goes away? Is it something that you have been taught in your therapy that you will have to live with for the rest of your life, or is it is there an end in sight? So um, in therapy, we learn, you know, there is hope uh, you can do it, um, and there is, you know, a life without an eating disorder. I kind of see it a little bit differently. I think that the eating disorder kind of stays with you and is always kind of in your head, and it's just a matter of coping with it. I think the voice, that evil voice in, you know, someone's head who has an eating disorder does quiet down so I do believe it becomes easier and there is a point where you almost don't feel it but I think it's something that will always be there and so you do have to always be careful that you know your triggers you know your triggers and you know how to deal with you know the uncomfortable feelings you may feel when you do get triggered without being becoming symptomatic and getting back down into that spiral. So have you had these discussions with your partner? Like, how has it impacted your relationship now? Yeah, so he he was with me through a full relapse. Um, so he was with me when I was good, when I went all the way down to, you know, hospitalization. And now I'm back up again, and he's stuck with me through it all. And it has put a huge strain on our relationship. Um, you know, we fought a lot. The low sex drive definitely played a huge role in, you know, our relationship. We couldn't connect that way, and I really didn't want to connect in other ways either, emotionally, cognitively. Like, I just, I was not there. And You, were so pulled, that you just pulled back. Completely. Yeah, I just pulled back and became kind of like a robot who just didn't do anything all day and didn't want to talk to anyone. And that's, so, is that more the mental disorder than, and that dealing with your own definitely. feelings of lack of self-worth, et cetera, et cetera? Definitely. Like, I feel like eating disorders are comorbid with so many other disorders, depression, anxiety. There's so many things that tie into it as well. And so it's very hard for someone to stick by you when you have one. So I, I really, I'm grateful that the guy I'm with right now is such a great guy and has stuck by me the whole time. And it's definitely a conversation that we continue to have and that we will always have because I know it's not going to go away and he knows that he needs to be there if it does come back. So we definitely have open communication now. That was That's a huge difference that has made it so much easier for us to you know, move through our challenges together. Um, and, and how I did you get lesson, that open conversation, open, and how did you get actually, that better communication? So we actually uh, did try therapy. There was a point where I was at my lowest, so, you know, we just could not connect on any level where instead of, you know, taking what could have been maybe the easy road out, you know, breaking up. I was like, I think we need to go see someone. Um, Let's go to therapy. And one session is all we did. And it changed us so much. Like, I don't even know what she said that stuck in our heads and that made the difference. But we started communicating 
so much better after that one therapy session. So I really advise anyone who's even considering going to therapy, just go. Right. You know, if it doesn't work out, then that's what, like half an hour of your life, it's okay. And if it does work out, that will just change your whole life. So moving forward and knowing what you know now, what would you advise people when they meet someone? And that's, that's t- generally speaking, the kind of comment that people make is they comment on someone's weight or how they look. How would you, th- how do you think that we could improve as a whole I know the responsibility doesn't lie solely with you on society, but in general, how can people make a difference for people so other people so that they're not causing any kind of trigger for them? Right. I think just like, you know, when you see someone, instead of saying like, you look great, like what's up? Just, you know, oh my gosh, your smile is so bright. What's like, what's going on? Like, why are you so happy? You know, like commenting on smile on, you know, personality traits, personality traits. Yeah, exactly. Just anything other than physical appearance, you know, even saying, Oh, I like your sweater. I like your shirt. Like just stop focusing on the body because like, why? Right. You know, people are so much more than their bodies. The body is just, you know, what's holding the person together. Yeah, I agree. And that's the kind of a uh, life that I think everyone should strive to do, the kind of embracing Mm -hmm. that everyone needs to do with each other, especially in the difficult times we live in now that we need more positive feedback. And it doesn't necessarily have to be on how someone looks, but more on how they behave and how they act kindly to other people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So where are you in your recovery now? So I am very happy to say that I think I'm nearing most the peak of my recovery. Wonderful. I I, yeah, I think I'm just, my life is really good right now. You know, I just finished school. I have, you know, two jobs right now. I'm with a wonderful guy and, you know, it's summer. So <laughs> I'm just in a very good mood and I'm doing so well. And I think, um, I think this time is, you know, the time where I actually do my recovery right and hopefully no no more relapses. Right. That's the goal. It's an ongoing thing. It's something that we all have to check in on ourselves every now and again just to make sure and support ourselves with people around us that are very supportive. You have an extremely supportive family uh, network around Mm -hmm. you of people that care very deeply for you and rightly so, including myself. I'm not, you know, how much I love you. Um, But I think it's important that everybody in life have somebody, have people around them that support them and support their vision and support who they are as people and what they're trying to achieve in life. So I wish you every success. I think you're going to make an incredible therapist. I think this is going to be a really Thank great path you. for you. And I'm really proud of you. I'm so happy, too, that you got to pop my interview cherry on the show. Yes, I did. <laughs> well, you knew I was going to go there. <laughs> so I want to thank my beautiful guest for her sweet smile, which I can't see right now, but I know it's beautiful. And uh, thank you for sharing and, and being so open and, and honest. It really means a lot. And I think this is a conversation that I want everyone to start having especially with young girls like you said young boys a lot of people suffer from this disorder at every age but definitely when you're in like you said that developing stage in puberty that it's important that we show support to people as they're blossoming into the person that they're becoming and we give them as much positive feedback about who they are not what they look like Mm -hmm, definitely thank you for having me well thank you for coming on the show and by coming i mean 
Okay. Oh I, mean, my I, won't, I won't go there. <laughs> you are my niece. And I do love you. Okay. Well, that wraps up this show for us. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. On the next episode, we will be going back to the book and I will be reading from another chapter of Bring Your Own Batteries. I want to thank my niece again for her honesty and for sharing her story with us. If you think you may know someone who is impacted by an eating disorder or if you think it may apply to you directly, please get in touch with your local eating disorder clinic or call 1-866-633-4220 in Canada, the number for the National Eating Disorder Information Centre. Please feel free to also join the conversation via social media. Your comments are welcome. You can reach me on Instagram, Jasmine underscore Aziz, on Twitter, at Jasmine Aziz, and on Facebook. Or email me, Jasmine at JasmineAziz.com. Until next time, remember that the best part of life is love. So be sure to open your heart to it, because here she comes. I'm just a popcorn dreaming on a red and of you up. I'm gonna shiver you, shake and quiver you, shiver you up.